Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down, our first Monday edition, post-PLE. My name is Kenny, joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you this Monday? We never speak on a Monday. No, we never do. Unless something has gone catastrophically wrong the previous <laughs> week. Yeah. Or that you've been away on one of your many trips abroad. True. But uh, yes, uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah, we're coming up to deadline on the magazine, so we're, we're both very busy. Mm-hmm. So currently at the moment, doing the cover for issue 39 of Inside the Ropes magazine. There you go, so, exciting times. Uh, I've watched Crown Jewel, I've watched Smackdown, so I'm ready to talk about both. Exactly. Well, you know, the majority today will be about Crown Jewel, obviously, because that's the big show. But Smackdown the night before, that was taped the previous week. How did they do overall? In terms of trying to sell sell Crown Jewel, because that was kind of the that was the thing that was the main part of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they don't really do that anymore. I mean, they used to when they were selling pay per views, but I've noticed that it's something that's not really seen as a mega priority anymore because you know everyone's already got the network; they're not going to sign up for the network. You know, based upon or they don't think they're gonna people are gonna sign up for that network based upon what's just occurred on the TV show. There's that assumption that people already have, isn't that? Because there isn't that sense of drama that they used to be at the end of a you know TV programs back in the pay per view era. I mean, it's very different now, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, I mean, obviously, the network's been around now for what ten years in February, so this is not a new phenomenon, of course. 
Uh, but yeah, SmackDown, um, yeah, I mean, I thought Knight and uh, Roman Reigns, they had another confrontation, so I thought that did help. Um, you know, I thought, you know, Knight and Reigns at the end, um, Knight kind of almost looked like Reigns is equal. It's obviously very difficult for anyone to look like they're on the same level of, as Reigns. And, um, you know, Knight was in a very difficult position because as we discussed previously, no one believed that he was going to defeat Roman Reigns for the belt. So, you know, I don't know whether we nearly need to go over that again. I thought Kevin Owens and Austin Theory, I thought that was well done. Uh, Owens won by pinfall after a pop-up powerbomb and a stunner. Um, we had the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley backstage. Um, and then B-Fab, who we haven't seen for quite some time. No, I forgot I forgot B-Fab was still there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she did well to survive you know, the, um, you know, spate of releases in September. Um, but evidently they've got plans for her in uh, Bobby Lashley's faction. We thought it might be Bianca, but, you know, maybe it will, it still will be. I don't know. Anyway, B-Fab turned up and asked to speak to Bobby Lashley, who agreed to speak to her. And, you know, we they walked off and I hopefully we'll find out what was said on this week's episode of SmackDown. Um I thought John Cena was pretty funny. Um, in his uh, confrontation with Solo Sokoa, he referred to Sokoa as a bargain basement Taz ripoff. I mean, that's a stinger, isn't it? That's a stinger. That is a stinger being compared to Taz. Um, pretty deadly. I thought I had a good uh, a good night against uh, Butch and Ridge Holland. They won the good old-fashioned Donnybrook. Uh, so it was a big win for them. Um, and I think the only other thing on this show that's worth mentioning was Bianca Belair's win over Bailey, which I thought was convincing. Um, well, I, did I, wanna... say, I thought, I thought Bailey, did, um, Bailey did really well in this match, holding this match together. And um, in the end, uh, Belair nailed Bailey with a ponytail and then hit the KOD for the one, two, three. And I thought Bailey's sell job on the KOD was tremendous. What I did want to ask you, final thing about SmackDown, was you know, obviously last week we had the contract sign with LA Knight and Roman Reigns, and then this week we have the verbal sparring. Did, I mean that you know that and the Solus Code John Cena segments were quite kind of you know final build for Crown Jewel type stuff. Um, do you think they, do you think those segments created more intrigue into said matches, or do you think that kind of it was it was already done and it was just kind of you know filler on top. Yeah, I think this was this was just a little bit of yeah, a little bit of spice at the end. I think the dish had already been prepared. You know, maybe this was like the tomato sauce or the tartar sauce, you know, or whatever other type of sauce people like at the side yeah. of the dish when it's presented or before it's presented. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they were worth doing, but I don't think they really added a whole lot to the matches. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cena, to his credit, he came out and pretended that he couldn't speak, which was consistent with the attack the previous week. So, you know, 10 out of 10 for Cena there. Um, and, you know, the Reigns and Knight thing, I thought Knight, as I say, I thought he came across really confident. It seemed like he believed that he he believed in himself and it seemed like he believed that he could beat Roman Reigns, but none of none of us did. So that was, you know, the fundamental problem or obstacle that you know they that was insurmountable basically you know no i mean at this point really i mean if roman reigns wrestles between now and wrestlemania i think they've got to be very sensible about who they pit him against because he could very easily damage his opponent 
Maybe Randy Orton really is going to return at Survivor Series. Maybe it's going to be Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton at Royal Rumble. That's fine, because Randy Orton at this point in his career cannot be damaged. But I don't want to see them pit any anyone whose career is on the rise against Reigns between now and WrestleMania, because I just don't think it's going to be helpful in the long run to that, you know, to the challenger, because we know the challenger is not going to win. Yeah. Well, we, I've, yeah, I've got, got stuff to say about that for uh, the main event of Crown Jewel, which we'll get to. Let's go into Crown Jewel from Riyadh on Saturday. Um, we did have a kickoff match, the return of the kickoff matches, where Sami Zayn took on JD McDonough, and Sami got the win in just under 10 minutes with the Haluva kick and then the Blue Thunderbolt. What did you make of this match? Yeah, I mean, it was predictable who would win. There was a bit of a balls up there, wasn't there, by JD, who ended up selling for... For something that didn't happen, that was widely shared online, wasn't it? Did you see yeah, that, Kenny? I, I saw some people saying it was very Shawn Michaels SummerSlam SummerSlam 2005 esque, which is uh, <laughs> is not a compliment. To... It's not a compliment, and obviously Shawn did that deliberately out of badness, and who knows what JD's motivation for doing it was. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not a big enough star to be calling those kind of shots or making those kind of moves. No, but, um... no, no, definitely not. So, yeah, I mean, I think Sammy, you know, obviously was going to win. It was the right outcome. And what Zayn did on the show was more consequential, on the main show, was more consequential than what he did on the kickoff. I think we could agree on that. Yeah, I would agree on that for sure. Um, then we open the, the main show, the big video package, and the opening match is Seth Rollins against Drew McIntyre for the World Heavyweight Championship. We've got Biden Saxton doing the ring announcing tonight yes which is which is interesting um so... i mean well they're a bit strapped they couldn't afford could they that extra plane ticket <laughs> well also i mean i guess the one thing is on <laughs> raw they've got samantha Irvin. yeah and because who's the smackdown announcer again it's also a female if i remember correctly and if it is, that it could be to do with, you know, if the if the women were out there to be the female announcer, they would they would have to be, you know, you're not to show any skin whatsoever. Well, that's right. The referees are there with the um, you know, long sleeve tops on with the referee shirts over the top. So yeah, they, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it, it that is the reason why they went with Byron Saxton or not. But yeah, I mean it makes sense, you know, it's a very warm place, Saudi, so maybe they didn't want the, the female announcers out there for four hours. And and uh, and a lot of clothes, but um, wearing bloody great fleeces, you know, <laughs> and, uh, overcoats. Uh, but we opened with Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. They went almost twenty minutes. We had obviously said that the most boring outcome would be Seth Rollins retaining the title, uh, which was of course what happened. But they did it in a pretty spectacular way to get there, and they gave you this. It was it was like almost like a WrestleMania like match. Uh, and then they give you the tease at the end of Damian Priest coming out to try and cash in. And as he was about to do it, Sami Zayn, uh, first as a hooded man who revealed himself to be Sami Zayn, took the briefcase and ran away with it. So that's kind of the, I guess, the continuation of that story. What did you make of the match? I know that, like I said, we we weren't that keen on the idea of Seth purely retaining, but how did they, how did it work for you in execution? Well, well you're right. We were hoping for something extra, weren't we? than just, I mean, no one could describe anything that happened here as bog standard because, as you said, this was WrestleMania caliber. This was the match of the night by quite a margin, I would say. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I'd say that's fair. You know, and it was interesting as well because McIntyre, even though Rollins and McIntyre were both faces, McIntyre's still a face, hasn't officially turned yet. Drew was really popular with the crowd here and actually more popular than Rollins, certainly at the beginning. But, I mean, the match was kind of laid out to encourage people to cheer for Drew McIntyre. So, you know, that was by design. And it's not like anyone was cheering, uh, sorry, booing Seth Rollins here. He was also cheered during the match. But, I mean, the near falls were amazing here. And I thought the the build in this match was was you know, first rate. I mean, you could tell these these guys are just veterans who know what they're doing. They can still do it, um, you know, still at the peak of their powers. Um, you know, and probably, you know, looking back in years to come, 2023, will, I imagine will be seen as the best year in the ring of Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre's careers. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was really well done. I mean, Drew had this stupendous near fall, after a suplex um, and another one with a future shock. Um, I thought Rollins did a really good job selling the back. I mean, that's something that's standard now. He does that in basically every match. Um, Drew sideslammed Rollins on the ring apron. Um, you know, McIntyre like weakly raised his shoulder after Rollins had hit a pedigree. Uh, Drew also survived a super kick and a stomp. Um, Rollins, you know, amazingly kicked out of the Claymore. And in the end, Rollins won with a pedigree and another stomp. So it took a lot to sink uh, Drew McIntyre. You know, this was, he put up a hell of a lot of resistance before, you know, he lost to uh, Rollins. And afterwards, as we've seen before from McIntyre, after he's lost, you know, he stomped backstage in a mood, you know, still didn't do the turn. We, we, we've we been saying it's coming, but, you know, <laughs> the, the, they're making us wait for it, aren't they, Kenny? Yeah. Yeah, they're not. We're 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 having to wait for it. So, but I mean, and as you said, Damien Priest came out afterwards, you know, and indicated that he was going to cash in the Money in the Bank contract. Um, and then Sami Zayn um, appeared and stole a kiss from him and ran into the crowd, and people mobbed Sami Zayn, didn't they, when he jumped over the barrier? Yeah, they did. They were mobbing him for that briefcase. But uh, I mean, they, they gave us something story-wise. I think. We probably didn't get enough story-wise for us to be fully satisfied, but you know we got we got a, a great wrestling match out of it. So there was that. We did, and we got a little extra backstage, didn't we? Afterwards, Drew McIntyre, you know, was was there. He looked miffed, you know, disgruntled, crestfallen after he'd lost the match to Seth, and Rhea Ripley turned up and just gave him this "I told you so" shrug. So we did get a little extra there. Yeah, we got a little bit. Uh, then, then we had the Rhea Ripley defending her world women's title against Nia Jax, Raquel Rodriguez, Shayna Baszler, and Zoe Stark in a five-way. Rhea Ripley had this wild entrance where there was a lot of uh, there was I think it was ten guys in traditional Saudi I don't know the, the official name, so I'm just going to say official Saudi kind of you know habits. I think is what you would call it, but um, they all came out with kind of almost like a gangrel you know, chalice thing where they all had them and then Rhea comes out in between them. She gets a big kind of pyro display. And I mean, I think it was safe to assume that nobody thought Rhea Ripley was dropping this title here in this five way. Um, but, you know, she was made to look like a star. She got the big win, decisive when she covered Shayna Baszler. So I thought Rhea came at this looking good, but uh, a pretty bog standard match. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the only thing that wasn't bog standard about it was Nia Jax's perm. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah. Jackson's perm or Shayna Baszler's face makeup. Oh, which yes. continues to be applied by a blind person, it seems. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You know, I mean, I think I think Ronda did worse. I mean, it's almost like Shayna and Ronda. You know, we're in a competition to see whose makeup could look could look the worst. You know, yeah. <laughs> and now Ronda's uh, you know disappeared. It's uh, you know Shayna's just holding the fort on that one. I, I mean, I thought it was I thought it was it was okay. This match, some of it, there's some quite complicated sequences. It, clearly, a lot of thought had gone into the layout of this match. And I thought the execution of it actually was was well done. Um, I think what held it back was the previous match had been so good that they couldn't follow it. Um, and also, I think Rhea, you know, so dominant right now. I just don't think anyone believes that she's going to lose that belt probably before she clashes with Becky Lynch. Um, I think Rhea versus if Rhea battles Nia Jax at Survivor Series, as I believe she will, I think that could be that could have some pretty good heat to it because I think that'll be put together in a way that it'll look like Naya could beat Rhea. So I am quite looking forward to that match. And when Rhea um, retains the belt against Naya, it will become obvious why they've actually rehired Naya Jax, which is to put Rhea Ripley over, basically. Yeah. That's, to me, the purpose of, the main purpose of her being re-signed. But yeah, yeah, I enjoyed this match. I mean, in the end, um, you know, Ripley pinned uh, Baszler after Riptide in Stark off the middle rope, onto Gonzalez and Baszler, who were in the ring below. Uh, she then pinned Baszler. So, yeah. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was some good multiple-person spots, and I thought this was this was well done for what it was, but not much of an atmosphere. And I think that did hurt it to an extent. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's spot on. I did mean to say, for me especially, and I, I, I don't imagine you're going to argue this point, I think the, the Drew and Seth match was the match of the night on yeah. the show. Uh, I do want to say I was I was toying with the idea whether I was going to say this or not because I don't really know if I should. I'm just going to say it. I found the the, the tourism video pretty deplorable. Um, to be to be honest, because there's a story last week in the kind of uh, that a man had a man in Saudi Arabia had been basically sentenced to death for questioning the government, and I just the same week to see. Drew McIntyre, Ellie Knight and Bailey and Bianca Bailey are talking about how great Saudi Arabia is. Just it, for me personally, I just don't like it. I don't, I can't really get on board with it. So I really could have done without that video. But, you know, that's that's the video they put together. And um, 
you know, I'm sure there's some people who wouldn't have agreed to be on it, but you know, some people do. So that was the decision that was made. Yeah, um, I mean that you know that's the job, isn't it? That is the job. Sometimes is going along to get along. You know, you're part of a machine, uh, WWE, and um, you know sometimes you've just got to put your own personal feelings aside. Yeah. Um, you know, and do what the machine asks you to do. So um, yeah, you and know, you- yeah. I mean, the whole thing was just, just even if what you just said hadn't happened, the whole thing was just like you know like crowbarred in sort of blatant, shameless advert for Saudi and Saudi air. And it was just, to me, incongruous. It just seemed so out of place. Yeah, it's like, you know, because we all, I mean, I don't say we all, but, you know, when you cover these Saudi shows, at the beginning there was obviously more of a kind of grossness to it than there is now. And they've kind of normalised it, which was quite good because we kind of felt like we were past having to deal with this kind of stuff. And it feels like they've maybe just thought, oh well, now we can just, you know, put this video together. I know that, and I know the numbers came out that said that, you know, for this show they basically made the same amount of money as they would have made in ticket sales for three WrestleManias. So I understand it, but I, yeah, I could have done with the video. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, that's it, and you know, lots of other people deal with the Saudis and make lots of money with them. So it's like, you know, you've got to. Sometimes morals are problematic. Certainly, when it comes to pro wrestling, you well, know, it's like moral- if you, it's like it's like if you, you know, if you, I mean, I eat meat. It's like if you eat meat, there's there's a kind of you don't you don't see what happens for the meat to come to you when you eat the meat. So exactly. You can, so you can kind of you know disassociate yourself. And I think with with the Saudi shows, we can kind of disassociate a lot of stuff because we just watch the shows. And I think the video, yeah, was, was yeah, and, and, and I think the talent as well. You know, you. You know, at the end of the day, you know, the talent, this isn't an endorsement of the regime there. In a sense, you could say it was. They're there promoting Saudi Arabia as this tourist destination. That's what they were doing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. You Which, know, I lots mean... of people like going there for tourism. And, um, you know, it's it's a tricky one. And, yeah, you're right back in when they first started dealing with the Saudis, which would be now, what, be five and a half years ago, will it be? 2018, was yeah, it? Yeah, 2018, April 2018. Yeah, five and a half years ago, there was a lot of you know big hoo ha about whether or not this was the right decision. The fact that women weren't on the shows, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you're right; it feels like now it's been normalised. This is something they do twice a year. They get paid a huge amount of money for it, and um, you know there comes a point there where you've just got to sort of kind of accept that this is what they do. You know, and um, it's all about the money. Of course, it is. Well, then we as if as if then. You know, that video wasn't hard enough to stomach. Then we got a video package saying that War Games is back, and that was even worse. Yeah, and then later on the show, they made it clear that there was going to be both a men's and a women's War Game match on the show. With 10 competitors in each match. Meaning, if there's not a change, a shortening of the intervals between entrants going in, each match is going to last between 35 and 40 minutes. Yeah, excited, everybody. Um, but l- let's go back to the show. Uh, we then got Sol Sokoa taking on John Cena. And, you know, the, the the hair is just... Is it getting worse every time we see it? Well, the problem is, is that Cena had to wrestle for a long time here. So because he's, he was sweating a lot by the end of it, it really exacerbated, you know, his baldness, didn't it? It did. You know, I mean, he went, he went, yeah, he went 16 minutes here 
I think the thing I do think is important that I would like to say is I think that he deserves a lot of credit for putting Solo Sokoa over the way he did here. I think that he really made sure that Solo Sokoa was made in getting this victory, which is the opposite of what, you know, in the past he was kind of mocked for or, or criticised for. So I think he did well in that regard. But I think that this, I think he seems to recognise that, that his time is over because he wasn't really able to keep up here in the way that he even could three, four years ago. Yeah. He just, you know, he, he just can't really do it anymore. And that's kind of what happened. So I, re- I really do respect the fact that he had Solo Sokoa beat him in the way that he did. What did you think? Um, well, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I actually, I didn't like this match. I didn't really like, you know, this might seem strange, but I, I didn't really like this burial of Cena, and I felt like if he was going to if he was going to do what he did here at Crown Jewel, it should have been on a bigger show, in a better storyline with somebody who was really going to benefit from it. And like, okay, maybe Solo will do the face turn and he'll face Roman, and Cena will be seen in hindsight as a big part of Solo's journey to being a challenger to Roman. And if that is the outcome, then yes, I'll probably change my tune and say, yeah, well, what Cena did was actually very helpful. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a strange match to me. Very strange. I mean, Cena in the beginning was working over Sokoa's right arm, wrist and thumb because he's trying to disable, you know, the Samoan spike, you know, and that was very different from the usual Cena match, Kenny, because it made sense. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Cena then applied an STF that looked really tight. I was like, what's going on here? Has this, has this man been taken over by an alien? You know? <laughs> has, he a, has he had a personality transplant or what? And it just, none of this made any sense to me because this was just not typical or this was just the opposite of what Cena traditionally or predictably does or typically does. Um, you know, Sokoa made his comeback and Cena sold. The match when Cena was selling was remarkably flat. Um, Cena then did his Duracell bunny comeback, um, you know, not to 60 in two seconds. I mean, that was typical classic Cena, vintage John Cena, as yeah. Michael Cole might say. But again, there was really no heat. Um, I mean, the story of the match did make sense. Cena kept going for the attitude adjustment. Um, Sokoa at one point counted with a Samoan drop. Um, you know, then Sokoa survived a choke slam. Very strange to see Cena do a choke slam. That was obviously a move that Sokoa can take. Um, they kept banging on about how Cena had been on a five-year losing streak in singles. Um and then Sokoa kept going for the Samoan spike. And I think in total, Kenny, he hit him with it 11 times. Yes. And then scored this sort of like unbelievably clean win. And Cena, you know, was totally smashed afterwards. There was no joking around. There was no, you know, cartoon mugging or Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, pet detective expressions. Mm-hmm. It was a very serious business. And Cena, yeah, absolutely put Sokoa over. But it's like I wasn't I wasn't really ready for it. And, you know, if this is part of a master plan, then, yeah, we'll look back on this and say, yeah, what Cena did was, was really productive and really helpful to Sokoa. But it all just seemed a bit odd to me. 
It's like it just came from out of nowhere. And I it almost it's... felt like a farewell to Cena, didn't it? I mean, that's kind of what I was hoping it was. I was kind of hoping that that's it. He's, he's been beaten by Solo and he leaves. Because I, he's not... I mean, I do want to ask you before we move on. Michael Cole had a line and I want to ask your opinion of it. Cole said, John Cena has meant more... Um, to his career, to 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 Cole's career than anyone in this business, and he is truly the greatest of all time. Thoughts? Well, it, you know, it sounded like a heartfelt comment from Cole. You know, yep. and if he if he believes that, then who am I to try and pick holes in that statement? And if he believes that Cena is the greatest of all time, um, then you know that's his opinion. I mean, I don't believe he is. So um, that's pretty obvious. You know, Cole's obviously a product of the WWE system, and he was—he's been there since ninety-seven or ninety-eight, or whenever he joined the company. Yeah. And um, you know, he saw Cena come in as you know this this sort of natural-born thriller-esque rookie who looked totally doomed, and then he was. Obviously, he got the rapper gimmick and became US champion, then became WWE champion and became the biggest star in the company and the merchandise and all that. So see, so Cole was around as Cena was the company's biggest star. So I can understand why Cole would think that because he was there for Cena's, for Cena's career in its entirety in that organization. So, you know, if you've, if you've lived in that world, you're probably quite blinkered in your thinking. Yeah. And, um, you know, Cole probably genuinely believes that. So that's my opinion. There you go. Well, his, that's my opinion, Kenny, of his opinion. Uh, well, let's move on to, we'll, we'll be very brief with this, but there was a Miz TV with an actor and comedian, Ibrahim Al-Hajjaj. Yeah. And he was, and they just thought each other were hilarious. And then Grayson Waller came out to interrupt and he changed this to the Grayson Waller effect. And it all led to, you know, this tr- the, the usual trope where the baby face, which staggeringly in this case is The Miz, sort of had to step in on Al-Hajjaz's behalf, and then they beat up Waller at the end with after Miz put Waller down the skull-crushing finale. We got a people's elbow by Al-Hajjaz uh, on Waller. The crowd seemed to really be into it. It seemed like a very localised segment. Yeah, I, th- I think that's safe to say. It's, it, to me, it felt like a buffer to try and lift people's spirits after the way it, way in which Cena had been annihilated by Sokoa in the previous match. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was okay for what it was. I imagine if you were there live, you probably were entertained by it. I wasn't. The only thing, the only thing about it that I, that did stick with me was Miz was acting like a baby face. I know. I know. We're, we're in dark days, Finn. <laughs> We thought COVID was bad, but Miz is a baby face. <laughs> Miz is turning the most obnoxious man in wrestling. He's turning baby face. Uh, I mean, that... what can go wrong, Kenny? What can go wrong? Only everything. Uh, the next match was Rey Mysterio against Logan Paul for the US title. Logan Paul got a big, you know, special entrance where he was going through the desert in a kind of uh, quad oh vehicle thing. Like a sand, like a big giant sand buggy thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he does that through the desert and then he turns up. So we get him and Rey Mysterio. There is a spot in this match, which I was curious to see what you thought, where Mysterio tries to flip back and Logan Paul catches Mysterio Yeah. before he hits the ground. And there's some people 
who are who are saying that you know Logan Paul really saved Mysterio there from what would have been a could have been a really really dangerous landing on that. Yeah, right on his head. Yeah, uh, and I mean the fact that Logan Paul had those instincts and also was able to to keep up in this match and have as fast a pace as he did. I mean, I I I don't physically know how he's able to do it because there are re- wrestlers all over this show who aren't as fast-paced as Logan Paul is. And I just don't understand how he's able to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think he was really motivated here because we all knew that he was going to beat Rey Mysterio for the US title. I mean, that was obvious from his expression some weeks back, he'd been told. And that was presumably the only reason that he agreed to return. And it was, you know, let's be honest, it's time that Paul actually won a belt. Yeah, and he mentioned this after his boxing match, so that was really good publicity for WWE. So I've got no objection at all to him holding this championship. Uh, I don't know who he's going to lose it to, but maybe, maybe it's going to be LA Knight. I don't know, but hopefully it will be somebody who will really benefit from it when Paul finally loses the belt, probably WrestleMania. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was good. I mean, it was kind of quiet. Uh, there wasn't that much of a response. I, I sensed you know, that maybe people didn't really know who Logan Paul was. But I was like, well, hold on a minute. You know, he's wrestled there previously. They must have known who he was. Um, I mean, there was some pretty amazing moves here from Paul. He hit this this incredible fall-away slam into a moonsault. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Have you seen that before, Kenny? No. No, it looked looked new to me. I, I I can't remember seeing it. Yeah, and, you know, we had some, um, you know, shenanigans at the end uh, with one of Paul's cronies uh, providing him with brass knuckles. Um, So there was some silliness there. Um, And um, Ray was protected on the finish, um, you know, when Paul did end up striking him with brass knuckles and scored the pin. And Paul was clearly elated that he'd become champion. You know, it was as though it was actually a real victory. He was, you know, you could tell that he was gleeful. He was yeah. genuinely like this was a huge moment in his career when he became US champion. Uh, and afterwards, he went over and sort of thanked Ray. And Ray was like, "You know, don't you're supposed to say that backstage?" That's essentially what he was saying to him, wasn't it? Don't don't thank me yeah. here, thank me backstage. But yeah, that that footage of Ray doing you know the flip, and then you know he mistimed it. But Logan was there and he grabbed him and held him up and. You know, he didn't land on his head. I'm sure Ray was really, really pleased about that and just imagining afterwards, oh, you know, what could have been. But also, you know, if you're a pro wrestler, you can't really think like that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to be a pro wrestler, would you? Yeah, you have to, you can't, you can't second guess it. You have to kind of, you know, just, just have those instincts and you yeah, have to believe in yourself and believe in your opponent that your opponent will always be there to protect you if something goes awry. You know, it's yeah. not like, you know, we as mere mortals, if we go out in our cars, you know, it's like if we, you know, if you're a racing driver, you probably can't worry about those near misses that you have probably all the time. But yeah. we as mortals may do that when we go out on the road. But I think as a wrestler, you will have that mindset of this is just part of the game and there's an element of risk there, but you can't worry about it too much afterwards. Um, so I'm, I'm, we- I'm with you. I think this was definitely Logan's Paul night, Logan Paul's yeah. night to win the title. I think he did a really good job, and yeah, I think if he'd lost this, it would have it would have felt like the wrong decision. So I'm... this was the right right outcome for sure, and uh, I'm I'm in, I'm really you know excited to see what Paul does as champion. Uh, we then had Eos Guy against Bianca Belair for the WWE Women's Title. I think it's safe to say they weren't able to hit the highs of Backlash 
from this year, uh, which was obviously a great match that they had in Puerto Rico. But yeah. it was a solid effort. I mean, the crowd were not that into the match. And then we had the return of Kyrie Sane, who showed up at the end, looking great, by the way, uh, yeah. to, to attack Belair. The crowd didn't really seem to know who she was. No. So... No, that's understandable. She did look a little bit different uh, than when we last saw her. I mean, you know, this is a, had to be a bit of a blow to AEW, because, I mean, Kyrie Sane could have been someone that they could have built their women's division around. I mean, God knows they need someone to build their women's division around. I think Carrie Sane was somebody who could have been that. She could have been that person. Instead, she decided to return to WWE. This we know this this had been you know in the planning stages or in discussions for many many weeks. And um, and yeah, she looked great. And um, you know she hugged Eo uh, Sky afterwards, and it was pointed out that you know Bailey and Kyrie had had the you know fallout before Kyrie had left WWE last time. So there's obviously going to be some storyline developments there, which I think are going to be really good. I thought this match was a bit of, uh, you know, it was just like this mishmash of moves. It felt like Belair was just rushing through everything, which is something that she does have a tendency to do. And I thought this match was just boring and just a bit of a mess, really. Um, just didn't work at all for me on any level. Uh, the best thing about it was Carrie Sane's return uh, when she ended up smashing Belair at ringside. Uh, Belair then just beat the count and then Sky pinned Belair with a moonsault for the one, two, three. So, and yeah, Carrie Sane um, attacked Belair afterwards, hit her with the elbow from the top rope. Um, and then Sky and Sane hugged afterwards. But yeah, I just don't feel like they found the rhythm or the flow. And it just, the match just meandered and just went nowhere, Kenny, in my opinion. I thought Belair versus Bailey was a hell of a lot better on SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, for me, I thought they were they were okay. I don't think they were bad, but yeah, I just don't think the chemistry was there on this one. I don't think the crowd were into it. I think it just it, it just didn't work. But Kyrie saying come back was good. Her cost and Bianca was was decent, and I think her coming back by seeing after seeing how Io Sky has been treated in the main roster, that she's been treated pretty well, has probably been a good boost for Kyrie to see it. You know, they, they've they've not got a quota of one woman from a country anymore. You know, there's now you can you know you can. There's multiple people that can be used in WWE, so I think she's probably made the right call for her. Yes, and, and more importantly, Kenny, if I may just chime mm-hmm. in at this point, is that Kyrie is not on the same brand as Nia Jax. Yes, yes. And I would be making sure that stays that way. <laughs> uh, we've got Cody Rhodes and Damian Priest as the penultimate match. This, of course, had all of the Judgment Day shenanigans that you'd expect. Finn Balor, JD McDonough, Dominic Mysterio... Then JSO comes out to kind of even the odds. And in the end, Cody is able to get the win here in like 11 minutes. It was decent enough. But I think this what probably this match suffered from for me was the fact that we've seen these guys in so many variations in the last two months that it didn't really feel... I felt a bit checked out during it, not even to the fault of the wrestlers. I'm just, I don't know there's much they could have done to make this feel fresh. What did you think? No, I, I, I absolutely agree. And also... This was very much like the main event. I mean, it's it was it was just not feasible that Damian Priest was going to win because we we think we know where Cody Rhodes is heading. The main event at WrestleMania. That's at least mm-hmm. what, where we think that's his destination. I mean, I thought they did well in the ring. Um, I mean, I think the add-ons were helpful with Balor and Mysterio. 
JD McDonough and Jay Uso coming out, and uh, Jay ended up running off the villains. Um, you know, Priest ended up kicking out of a Cody cutter from the top rope, and you know, far outside the ring. Um, Rhodes in the end won, won by pinfall after three Cody cutters. So, you know, very much like Drew in the opener, um, Damien Priest you know, withstood a lot of punishment before he was beaten by the you know, bigger star or, well, yeah, definitely Cody's a bigger star than David Priest. <laughs> I think we can safely say that. Uh, I was just trying to compare uh, Rollins and uh, Drew and trying to work out who's a bigger star then. It's, surely it's Rollins. So, um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was okay. I thought it was a good match, but everything you said, I agree with. We've seen it before and it wasn't original. It really felt like it existed to give Cody Rhodes something to do and there was really you know no question or mystery over who was going to go over um when we're going to be saying that in a moment about the main event right Kenny yeah well let's just let's dive into the main event alienating Roman Reigns the undisputed WWE universal title I'm going to explain why this match didn't really work for me and I don't actually think that it's an L I mean alienate is obviously part of the match but I think the issue for Knight here was, to your point, you just said, we, we knew he wasn't going to win. We knew that going in. But then it did feel like I knew everything that was coming. And and, and I, I felt like I, I've watched it so many times. And it's like Ellie Knight's trying to do this performance that we've seen the last seven baby faces do. And it's the same thing. And, you know, when you if you try and look at it more closely, you think, you know, the referee just stood and watched Jimmy Uso interfere you know, however many times that he interfered. And, I mean, he did give Knight the kick out of the spear. So they tried to at least not make it that he was, you know, not on Reigns' level. But, yeah, I just I just don't think that this match formula that they've got is is that interesting anymore. And I didn't see... I, I didn't get to see Crown Jewel live. I saw it the next day. And usually after Reigns matches, I, I see a lot of chat. And I wasn't seeing as much chat about this one. And... When I watched, I kind of understood why. So I think that for Knight, he, I think it was unfortunate timing for him of when this match was because I think people were already kind of a bit checked out the bloodline story at the moment. And yeah, I, just, I, I think the, the formula for me is what probably let this one down. But what did you think of the match? I mean, it, it was Knight's, you know, best match to date in WWE, uh, no question. I thought, you know, Reigns did everything that was expected of him, you know, and that was part of the problem, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's almost like watching Hulk Hogan towards the end of his first WWF title reign. Or, you know, Ric Flair was very much the same as well. Yep. And then later in his career, his, you know, his matches were so formulaic. You, you knew exactly what he was going to do before he did it. I mean, I remember the, the Sting and Flair had a match at Clash of the Champions in, I think it was August of 1993. And it was just like, you just knew what they were going to do before they did it. And, you know, it was a decent match, but we'd seen it so many times before and they'd done it better. And I think that probably applies here to Reigns' title defence against Knight. Um, You know, yeah, I mean, you know, Knight survived a second spear. I thought that was a good kick out. Um, Knight came back with a BFT, um, made the cover... But Jimmy Uso placed uh, Reigns' foot on the bottom rope to stop the three count. Um, 
you know, Knight took out Jimmy, smashing through the announce table. Then Rain speared Knight through the barrier into the timekeeper's area. And, you know, Knight really sold it like he was done for at that point. And he was, because Reigns then hit another spear for the one, two, three. And Knight, I thought, sold massively afterwards. I thought he really played his part here in, you know, making it appear that he'd been through, you know, a war, which, you know, in wrestling terms, he had. But, you know, I do understand what you're saying, Kenny. I, I can't argue with any point you've made. You know, a lot of it felt very familiar. We have seen it before. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier in the podcast. Um, Reigns, to me, just would be better off just disappearing now until the run-up to Royal Rumble. And whoever he wrestles at Royal Rumble, it needs to be a Randy Orton or a CM Punk or a veteran. You know, I mean, I know, I realise Knight's a veteran, but he's not a veteran in the WWE system. And I think if they were to pit him against, you know, a Damian Priest or someone like that, you know, I think that would be obviously the wrong, that would be the wrong match. But there has been hints that Damian Priest might turn babyface and could potentially cash in on Roman Reigns. He did actually suggest that, didn't he? Was it last week that he might cash in on Reigns? Did you remember that, Kenny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He suggested that last week. So they're leaving it open. Uh, yeah. That may be what he ends up doing. Yeah. So, I mean, that is that is a potential outcome for Priest. I think that would be a huge mistake for him because Priest is obviously not going to, if he were to cash in on Reigns, he's obviously not going to beat Roman Reigns. So it would just be a waste. So I think whoever faces Reigns next needs to be a veteran who can take the loss. Um, and then we just need to get rest. We we just, Reigns just needs to go to WrestleMania and just lose that championship, do the face turn, and then he can start again. Because this just does feel a little bit played out. Yeah, I think it definitely does. And I think that hurt, you know, because you're right, this was the next best match he's had on the, on the main roster. And yet, I don't think people are that fond of it because they've kind of it's been diminishing returns of these matches for such for for the last yeah couple of years that you know it's like i get what you're saying you're totally right about how you know there should you know he shouldn't face anyone else to wrestlemania but we're kind of in this shackled stage of we're in early november and they've played it all out so all that's really left to do is to give the feud in the match that will have the loss and that's five months away yeah so you know they need to be getting in that creative room going right what can we do to have let's shake up the formula a little bit whether it's the Brock Lesnar thing that you mentioned as an idea like something just do something that adds it adds an element or does something that will make this more interesting because it's 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 not it's I I I, I never thought that we'd get to a point in the Roman Reigns you know when, when he beat Sammy or when he beat Drew we get to a point where I'd be quite apathetic about a, a Reigns main event title match. No, I, I mean, it, to me, it was always going to happen. I mean, as soon as he split from the twins, it was clear to me that we were going to be in this position because once they left the squad, well, I know Jimmy's still there, but people have complained about Jimmy being there and not really making any sense, which is definitely a fair, fair criticism. It, you know, that was going to be the peak. To me, Money in the Bank was the peak of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was never going to get bigger than that when Reigns did the job. You know, that was going to be the huge moment. And yeah, the Lesnar thing could revive it for sure. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be, you know, against the idea of Rock facing Reigns at Raw Rumble. Yeah. Or Elimination Chamber. I Shake think that would up. actually... What's that? 
shake it up. Yeah, yeah, do something like that. Have something yeah. happen that you know shakes the formula that we get something that we don't expect, something yeah. that surprises us. We need something unpredictable. It, this storyline requires that desperately because we've seen it all. And the thing is, you know, it's been so good and the standards now are so much higher than they were in Hulk Hogan's day. Yeah. And so what, Hogan, what, what, what are Solo Sokoa and Jimmy Uso going to do week to week on SmackDown without Roman Reigns till Royal Rumble? It's a good point. I don't I mean, know. So, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk more on, on Thursday about kind of stuff relating to, to Raw um, and different things. But yeah, I think there's definite need for them to shake the formula because people are getting bored. And, yeah, they, they need to do something radical, I think. And, yeah. um, you know, I just hope they're not going to start getting lazy and just sensing weakness in AEW and thinking, well, we don't really need to try anymore. Um, yeah, that would be dangerous. You know, and they, they've been there before. And there will come a point when they will do that because these things go in cycles. Yeah, And when you, people start getting overly confident they you know, become less creative and, you know, the appetite to continue to strive to create and invent and be innovative, I mean, it fades and that's just the way it works. But, I mean, you know, I think this can still, Reigns' reign can still, it can still matter and it can still be really big and wrestle. This is all about WrestleMania now. It's just all about keeping him interesting until WrestleMania. That should be their focus. Yeah. And, you know, the worst thing, I mean, I'll finish this because we do need to go. It might not be the worst thing to have Brock Lesnar join a Survivor Series or something and have Brock and, and have the Brock thing be the thing on TV to keep it going while Reigns isn't really around that much. You know, do or, or have somebody have something happen where somebody's involved because it's not gonna work with just Jimmy Uso and Solo Sakura. Agreed. Because, but anyway, we will leave you with that, everybody. Um, Patreon.com is the best place to get these podcasts early. So this one is coming out on Tuesday in the main feed. You can get it on a Monday after the PLE at patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes. We do overruns. We did one in the last issue of Power Slam, which is very well received. I saw people in the Facebook community said it was like a love letter to Power Slam, and that's what I was hoping it would come across like. So I'm glad that it did. And we just reviewed issue one of Power Slam. So that will be going up later today. So, yeah, I want to thank you for all your support, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 